Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And this is uh, the third in our series, uh, What the Fuck is Wrong with Florida? Florida. <laughs> and uh, this third installment is about the NCLEX nursing license scandal. Yeah, which uh, and is like... I'm gonna... I was just going to say, don't, uh, you know, I don't want to panic anybody, but maybe try to not go to the hospital as much as possible. I'm just saying dig around till you find some masks for right now, because you're going to want to remember when you watch Food Inc. and you couldn't really eat any processed food. So you had like carrots and like chicken breast for a while. It's going to be that. But for going to the hospital. (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to start this off by a quote with a quote from the uh, acting special agent in the case. And yes, the federal government got involved. This is FBI agent uh, Chad Yarbrough. Quote, healthcare fraud is nothing new to South Florida. Yeah. (laughs) So um, what happened here is that there were over 7,600 people around the United States who received fraudulent nursing credentials who are in patient interacting roles so what happened here how how did these people get these fraudulent qualifications same same as always uh green money spends and when you put it in the in the hands of unscrupulous people with um no morals or integrity they'll just give you whatever you want if you give them enough of it and um I thought this was so interesting because I used to work in um, for a company that was called Orbis Education. And what they did was they would do these accelerated nursing programs all all around the United States. They would partner with um, a lot of times like they were. Oh, hold on. I'm trying to find the nice way to say it. They were the kind of colleges that you would see a lot of commercials for on daytime TV. So the for profit Um, colleges. Thank you. Um, And so, yes. So, um, and like a very particular kind of for-profit college. You know what I'm saying? Yes. We're talking the Kaplan universities of the world. Yeah. So we would partner with, um, or that company would partner with, with uh, for-profit education. uh, And then they would do these um, accelerated nursing degrees, which the Obama administration came down really hard on um, for-profit education in a good way. Like we were not allowed to promise that you definitely would get a degree in 17 months because they were incredibly rigorous. Like they, they you know, you really do come out with like, you know, a workable nursing experience, but they are, they are meant to be insanely almost not impossible, but like really, really difficult for a reason. Cause like they don't give you your money back. Right. So they, if you sign up for it and you, completely burn out 12 months in, like they just get to keep your money. And these programs were $70,000 around the average was about $70,000 with the promise. Yeah. With the promise that you, and of course they always had their own in-house financing. You know how this goes. Um, Mm -hmm. And then you get this nursing degree, which of course you could just go anywhere and do anything with. Well, once you're, once you're in for $70,000 and you get in there and find out this isn't really for you, you're just fucked. Like you just have to pay off those loans anyway. And that's the worst situation to be in where you have the debt and not the degree. Yes. And, and and it, so I would imagine that for all these people who get these degrees and get to month 13 or 14 and they're like, wait, I don't like this and I don't want to actually finish this degree, but I do have these $10,000. It's not hard to find somebody who's like, great, I'll be happy to put that certificate out for you. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's exactly what we had, what we had here. And for anybody looking for the uh, case references, we're talking USV Witherspoon et al. And USV Sanon, S-A-N-O-N. 
Um, those are the two cases. And note that these are federal crimes, right? So the United States is bringing these because it wasn't just limited to Florida in this case. The schools oh. involved were in Florida, but yeah. the uh, people who obtained the false credentials were all over the country. So this is like wire fraud, stuff like this, because you're crossing yeah. state lines. So you wind up with federal charges. And essentially what happened, uh, as you described, is that people who wanted the credentials just got them. <laughs> they yes. didn't do any yes. of the work. Yes. They literally, the they really just paid these. And I want to note, these were accredited institutions. Yep. They alleged, sorry, this is all alleged. They allegedly paid these institutions who then just swore that these people had done all the work and then handed them uh, the licensing. And so you can see why this is a problem because remember we're talking nursing. Yes. Um. I, so the thing that I wanted to bring up with this is the uh, compact nursing state. So um, ENLC is if you get licensed in one state, your license gets accepted in all these other states. Um. And here are all the states. <laughs> Oh, no. Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Delaware, Florida, Georgia, Guam, Idaho, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maine, Maryland, Mississippi, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New Mexico, North Carolina, North uh, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Vermont, Virginia, Virgin Islands, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Haha, New York's <laughs> not on there. Haha, dodged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so most of yeah. them. Yes, most 40. other states. Yes. Jeez. And so everywhere so, that someone would have gotten this this fake nursing degree or paid nursing degree could just go to any of those 40 states and start working. So while healthcare fraud is not uncommon, is not new in South Florida, this is the kind of healthcare fraud that metastasizes. Yes. And um, it probably goes without saying, but um, we're in a nursing shortage right now. So um they're happy to have anybody that, th that they can get like in a lot of public. So one of the ways that they judge a nursing shortage is how many patients per nurse. And there are some places where like, you might have like 10 or 12 patients in a 12 hour shift, which is fucking crazy. That's crazy. Um, but imagine that you have 10 to 12 patients per one nurse. And one of those nurses bought their nursing degree. <laughs> <laughs> like that's called 10 to 12 fucked people. Whew. Like, and that's terrifying. And that's like every shift. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They're also one of the most common mistakes that gets made in nursing is um, decimal placement. And you're like, mm -hmm. that sounds uh, perilous. And it is. So a lot of people die or, or like the reason that you have like nurses that are supposed to check your work is, is um, for example, if you give someone too much insulin, just insulin. You move the decimal place, then you're giving them 10 times as much insulin as they thought they were going to get. Um, there used to be a, a product, and I'm sure it's still being used, but there's a product that's like super insulin that they use in hospitals so they mm. don't have to push as much like fluid, but it's literally 50 times as potent as normal insulin. And so like, let's say you're a dipshit who just draws that up. Like you might even know the protocol for normal insulin, right? But you don't know about this. You draw that up and then then that person's dead or in a coma. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 And remember that like, this is actually, I think even worse for nur for nursing than it would for even some doctors. Yeah. Right. Because like the people doing the thing, right. Are yeah. the nurses. So there are a lot of places I go where the doctor, you know, we, I talk to the doctor, but he's not the one 
pushing medication. He's not the one actually doing the stuff. Like for someone like a nurse or like a pharmacist, you know, yeah, you can't you can't skate by with small errors. Yeah, and also just because of the difference between nursing, like nursing nurses, because first of all, it's a largely like female dominated profession, but like you see your work as a collective total, right? So like mm-hmm. if like the charge nurse much more like not I would I'm not gonna say much more than because I don't know, but like charge nurses and and other nurses, like even who are on your same level, feel like a certain amount of responsibility towards your outcomes if you're fucking shit up. Cause it's like mm-hmm. First of all, all the nurses will get blamed. Like they'll come down really hard on your charge nurse and they might be doing a fine job. But like doctors are so competitive that they like they do this like quizzing each other thing when they're coming up. So like somebody who's a dipshit and a doctor rises to the surface really quickly as we um, if you haven't heard the story, um, Malachi Robinson, uh, Malachi Love Robinson. This is like a famous story. They did a My Favorite Murder on it, but. When he first started, he was an 18-year-old who um, pretended to be a doctor. He he got as far as to um, open up a clinic. Um, he had the white coat. Um, and it was it's really funny because it's one of the few times that, like, you see through how easy it is to actually commit these frauds if you just have the fucking balls for it. Like, a sign company isn't going to, like, check your credentials. The person embroidering Dr. Love on your jacket isn't going to check your credentials. Like... You probably could get surprisingly far, and especially in Florida, where like it, like you said, it has a culture of Medicare fraud. Like there is a culture of fraud. It's it's fascinating how far these people can get, and especially because he understood something very basic about human psychology. If you claim authority and you have the trappings of authority, yeah, right. If you have, if you put the letters after your name, if you wear the suit, the the white coat, if you put on the uniform, that'll get you a long way. And there's actually, that's actually one of the things that uh, some people have claimed George Santos uses, is that he uses fashion and a self-presentation as a way to to create a belief about his uh, expertise, right? That doesn't exist. Once again, too, we're in this situation that is overly influenced by the demographics of the population. So yeah. if you're committing healthcare fraud, as in like you have a degree that you don't have, and like let's say you work in, you know, you get a job in long-term care, which always needs people because it's a horrible fucking job, and 30% of your patients die. But like a competent nurse, 18% of their patients die. So like that's a lot harder to sort out who is, you know, when you're when it's there was a famous nurse in England who uh, murdered a bunch of babies it's like well it's pretty easy to figure out when babies are dying like yeah babies do die occasionally but like you get more than a couple and a big bushel of them people start asking questions they don't ask nearly as many questions when the patients are old i was gonna say because like mortality is a built-in expectation yes but the the level of the care definitely matters in terms yeah. of uh, patient outcomes. Although I think you put it rightly, it's harder to draw the sort of straight line causal uh, connection in yeah. things like long-term care. And imagine being in something like hospice, right? Yeah. Where like a hundred percent of the people are going to die. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's not about that. It's about the level of care. And that is obviously, going to be deeply impacted about whether or not the person is trained properly. 
Yeah. And subjective, depending on like one of the things that's so wild about healthcare is like, you know, they make jokes that if your mom is a nurse, which mine, mine was, you never go to the hospital or doctor. Like number one, your mom can just like get somebody to call in a amoxicillin prescription for your strep throat or whatever. And like my dad always gave me stitches over the, the kitchen sink. It's like, well, it's not that big of a deal. Like we don't need to go to the hospital. So if you have that versus like somebody who prioritizes like a high level of like, you know, pretty hands-on care. And again, we're back to an over-influence of demographics that are non-representative, which is um, if you're older, uh, you might have moved far away from your family. So there's not somebody who's checking on you and saying like, why does, why does she have a bed sore? Like, you know, if you're, mm-hmm. if you're there twice a year for the holidays and you get a few minutes in the care home or whatever, you're not going to ask a lot of questions because like you're there to have fun and like enjoy the kids. And you don't want to say like, hey, are any of your nurses like beating you by chance? Like, mm-hmm. Why, why also, would you even you, ask? Also, there are things that can happen that you don't even know should happen or should not happen. Correct. You just accept because you're not a nurse. You're not a trained medical professional. So, you know, it might seem weird, but at the same time, who are you to say? And this is true in any profession where the customers are not experts in what they're receiving. And I have to say, this is something you know in the law. People will not know the quality of the lawyer until it's too late. Right? Yeah. Until your case is fucked, right? Because you're not a lawyer. How are you supposed to know? Their trial strategy might seem weird to you, but maybe they know something you don't. And and in the same way with doctors, a second opinion is going to cost you some coin, you know, like yeah. especially with, you know, if you're if you're starting off with a mediocre lawyer and you need to get the opinion of another mediocre lawyer, you're paying at least that much for a couple hours of their time. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to get a powerful lawyer, that couple hours of consultation is going to take even more money. And then at that point, you might as well have just hired the, you know, the expensive guy. I mean, I can I say like, you know, I've been in situations like when, like the first time when my mom had had her surgery for cancer, she was recovering uh, at Memorial Sloan Kettering, which by the way, shout out to the nurses there. They were unbelievable. They're so amazing. Yeah. And I was not checking, doing background checks on every nurse. <laughs> I'm saying I didn't have time. I didn't have energy. I did not have focus. My focus was on my mom. Her focus was on, you know, her recovery. We needed to just trust that the nurses who were there and the doctors there knew what the fuck they were doing. We just had to, we had to trust it. Which is what all of these licensing, boarding, all these things are supposed to be for, right? Like in the same way that, that, we have food safety standards, so we don't have to call up Bush's beans every time and say, like, are you 100% positive there's no rat in this? Like, yeah. I need you to promise. Yeah. And, like, again, like, also with restaurants, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I go out to a restaurant. I The last – I'm not doing a deep dive. I'm not like, let me see your freezer to make sure that it's cleaned properly. When was the yeah. last time you, you, you deep cleaned your burners? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I imagine that's, like – Something that is increasingly upsetting the deeper I get into my food business where I have to deal with a lot of inspections and safety and licensing and stuff is it is so incredibly variable. I just had a call with somebody who's starting their food business and they're starting it in like a different county. And I had to tell her, like, you need to check with your county and then you need to check with every county that you plan on selling in because it's so different. Like Mm -hmm. it is one of the most infuriating things that like a lot of other businesses get by because they realize how big gaps in the system 
are. Mm -hmm. And in Florida, like that used to be a joke in my family that like whenever we're ready to just to just like quit being uh, whenever my dad as a heart surgeon was like ready to just go ahead and commit some Medicare fraud and just like go down and do surgery on people who it didn't really matter if they lived or died. Like, and I'm not saying that's my dad's attitude. In fact, my dad, this is so fucked up, but it's kind of sweet. My dad would always read the obituaries because he, he remembered every Mm -hmm. single one of his patients and he would calculate how much extra time he had added to their lives. And some people who like went in for surgery in their sixties lived to like their nineties. And he was like 30 years, pretty good for a heart valve. Like, (laughs) But like the the Florida, he was speaking to the the Florida medical community's attitude toward its own patients, right? Which like your your medical community and your culture will change too, depending on what kind of patients you're taking care of. And like one of the reasons that a lot of doctors will go into like geriatrics and fucking hate it is because like not only do you see people who are desperately ill whose families visit them twice a year, but then ask you to take heroic measures and like break all their ribs to do CPR on them so they can make a flight to come down and talk to this person. They haven't given a fuck about the whole time they've been there. Yeah. And it's heartbreaking. Like the entire experience of caring for older patients can be really trying for your heart and soul. Yeah. And so like, when you talk about like, what the fuck is wrong with Florida in this case, like that pervasive, sort of fuck it what fuck it what does it matter-ness I think is like an a a larger underpinning of so many things wrong with Florida like it doesn't fucking matter right and I I guess this doubly pisses me off because not only is it healthcare but it also deals with education which I care a lot about and these are accredited institution with legitimate students legitimate graduates so now that their school is in the headlines for fraud now every medical institution Yep. that hired someone with that credential now wonders, did I get one of the fraudsters? Yeah. Did you and, actually and you, go? And what do you do? Like this is okay. I'm going to look up something real quick. Um, total nursing graduates in 2021. Okay. <clears throat> okay. So uh, 155,000, New nurses, new RN graduates stabilized at about 155,000 per year. So that's good. That doesn't mean that it's an onerous amount of total, you know, potential cases of fraud. But at the same time, like. I mean, that's actually a pretty large. I mean, 7,600, that's a lot. I guess you're right. It's. I mean, that's a few percentage points. Yeah. But, but it's manageable enough that yeah. you could perform like testing or, you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. you could, you could send people just to make them take the NCLEX again. I mean, yeah. you know, like just make them take it again. Um, and test prep still, instructors are like, Wee! <laughs> <laughs> but still, I mean, you know, if you think about, this is like when a, when a, there was this um, lab technician, a crime lab technician in Boston who was discovered to have been taking out, um, you know, the lab, the control samples of drugs and had been, using the drugs and then refilling it with like baby powder or whatever. Yeah. They had to vacate every single conviction that was convicted on that person's evidence. And she had been doing, I mean, like the, does the attorney and you just die? Like, Oh God. Like, can you imagine? And a lot of them, you know, she didn't do this all the time. You could imagine that like, she probably did most of them. Right. She was probably pretty good at her job, but imagine the cost to the state to retry all the cases in, let's say, five years of one 
crime lab technicians work. Yeah. It just make it makes my skin crawl. Like yeah, because Imagine, the, most of them aren't going to get recharged. Most of them are just going to be like, well, we we can't we we can't do it. Imagine all of the potential wrongful deaths, all of the like. If you don't hear a lot about this, that's because it's very, very, very much in a hospital's interest to hide the fact that they got one of these nurses, number one. And number two, like the liability mm-hmm. potential of this is so insane. And it will not surprise me if one of the outcomes by the, of this is people having to take an entrance exam that they may not have had to take before this. I'm going to be straight up that like one of the things I hate the most is fraud. And the reason is that trust is like the most important thing in a complex society, right? Especially for people we give any sort of responsibility, control, or power to. And I know nurses are not the highest on the totem pole, but they have a lot of power over literal life and death for people. And so we need to be able to trust the institutions that produce nurses and let us know that each one that comes out knows what the fuck they're doing. It's why I, I care so much about legal education, right? Because people need to be able to trust that the lawyers that they have are well-trained and know what they're doing, that the judges are well-trained, that everybody involved is well-trained and knows what they're doing and is acting in good faith because it cannot be incumbent on individuals to try to vet everybody in their lives. Otherwise, you literally could not get anything done. You would spend every moment of every day paralyzed by the burden of having to check that all the food, all the water, all the services you provide are actually being provided properly. You just don't have you don't have the time or the energy. It's not a way to run a society. So like every time this does it, it erodes. I think of it the same way that I think about pollution. It just degrades the trust environment a little bit. And it might seem each instance might feel imperceptible. It's the same way that uh, back in the day, scientists used to think that throwing trash in the ocean wasn't a huge deal because the ocean's really big. Yep. Right? So it doesn't matter how much trash we throw in there. It's too big to not matter. (laughs) Meanwhile, the Pacific garbage patch is like, hey. (laughs) It turns out that if we don't care about those things, we manage to always throw enough trash in there, no matter how big the ocean is, no matter how much trust there is. If we don't pay attention, it's going to wind up eroding. I mean, this is so the branches of this, right? Like a big story like this breaking <clears throat> as if we're not struggling enough with public health crises, like being like the anti-vax agenda, if mm-hmm. you will. But like, this will be one of the little streams of runoff from this. Like, you know, every time, for example, like I had a stupid idiot anti-vax dipshit that I used to know, like used to know socially, um, moved to Florida, go figure, sold his company for a lot of money, moved to Florida. Typical. Mm -hmm. Um, He still thinks that juicing was going to protect him from the COVID virus. And I said, well, I wish you the best of luck with that. But anyway, um, he one of his stances about why he didn't trust the vaccine was because I think it was like GlaxoSmithKline or somebody had gotten 
sued for pushing an off-label use of a drug that maybe it wasn't as effective as they, you know, but it was a, mm. it was a low tier, low stakes drug, if you will. You know, it was on the level of like, you know, how they found out like Latisse is a, is a um, glaucoma medication. It's glaucoma, like eye drops. But then they found out that people had luscious lashes afterwards. Beautiful like, eyelashes. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then it was like $300 for a tube. Um, and as soon as you stopped using it, all your lashes fell out again. But uh, it was it was on that level of like no one misusing it or using it off label was going to die. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But Brett, this dipshit, sent me that article as evidence of his own degrading relationship with the idea of big pharma, even mm-hmm. though like when you put it together with the context, it's just like, yeah, this is like you're right. Profit driven medicine. Bad outcomes. Shit happens. Like, yeah. but it wasn't. It had nothing to do with the fucking, like, it's a goddamn respiratory virus. It's a fucking pandemic. Like, you know but what I mean? But that's the thing. Every, every bit of pollution, right? Every yeah. bit of pollution adds up. And that's why, you know, this, you know, this happened in Florida, right? But people are going to yeah. see it and it's not going to stay confined to Florida. This is why we're doing this series because, and this is why it's called the perpetual stew, because in the end, everything comes together. It's all connected. It all melts together in either a delicious or a poisonous melange. You're, you're, you will stops. be in the hospital. You will be in the hospital at some point. And at this point, this Florida NCLEX bullshit becomes your problem too. Yeah. This is why I say, you know, this is why healthcare, having access to healthcare is an everyone problem. Uh, this is why disability rights, right, is an everyone problem because you will eventually be disabled. That is right. My favorite disability advocate phrase is you are not disabled yet. Yes. Uh, And so this is why we're doing this series. Love this topic. Sarah, thank you so much. This is fun. Yes, we'll be back. And uh, we will be back with the next in our series uh, on what the fuck is wrong with Florida soon. But (laughs) until next time, stay curious. Bye.